0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
1: Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline is Mariners Insider Shannon Dreyer. Shannon, how's it going? It's going, guys. Uh, all right. Well, we were just talking about. Um, you know, kind of how impressive the off season has been a bit of a surprise for a lot of people who looked at uh, some of the cuts and moves and trades that were being made and thought, oh, God, oh, no, what's going to happen here? Uh, there is one move that could still be made, though. How do you feel about the Mariners potentially adding Matt Chapman?
2: Well, it's becoming more and more interesting by the day. It's not a move that I would have considered, especially in the position that they're in, where you didn't think that they were going to spend on or be able to spend or be allowed to spend, uh, regardless of how you want to look at that on a bat after what they have done or even earlier this season on that kind of uh, quality player free agent-wise. But as pitchers and catchers are reporting and full squads are starting to report, all of a sudden you do have players that are still out there. And if Matt Chapman's price has come down, then uh, I think absolutely that is somebody that they should be looking at or they you know, perhaps are equipped to look better at than they were at the beginning of the offseason. He's not a perfect player. There's a lot of question with his offense, but the defense is, you know, he's a gold glove third baseman. And if you look at the team that they have right now, I think they've done very nice things for the offense. The pitching is there. I think you get some questions on the defense and the infield defense in particular, and he could go a long way in solving a lot of those problems that they potentially could have or the questions that they have there. And if you are looking at a situation where, you know, I never thought that he would be a one-year prove-it type guy, and if he was, then Seattle would be the last place that he would go because of what that can do to offense, particularly early in the year. But uh, if you're looking at a shorter contract, if you're looking at perhaps two years in an option or something like that, uh, you, it would be a fit that you definitely, I think, would be a lot more comfortable with, depending on what the price is, uh, taking into consideration that there might not be as much there with the bat as there was a couple of years ago. So uh, it's intriguing because he's there, it's late, and the potential suitors, I think are starting to really kind of fall off. It's a position where there wasn't a lot of need around the league last, the last off season, uh, which is obviously one of the reasons why he's still there. So I think it's one that bears watching closely.
3: What do you think about third base? If uh if Chapman is not acquired by the Mariners?
2: Well, I think it's going to be kind of the hang on position. I do think that you've solidified a lot with this roster. And if not, it's you know, all indications are, it'll be a platoon of Arias uh, and Rojas. Over there, and neither one of them are plus defenders. So, what the offenses they give you? If if Arias bounces back to 21, 22 Arias, there's you know good offense there. Rojas, I think we're still learning what he is, and you're not depending on him to be a middle of the order bat. I think that when he got going, he looked really good, hitting ninth and turning the lineup over. But again, the defense is very important, especially with the pitching staff. That you have, and you know they are, you know without a doubt one of the most talented pitching staffs in baseball. But some of the success that they did have last year was because of what was going on over at third base with Suarez's gloves. So uh, it it would be so just uh, maybe even a little bit frustrating might be the right word it would be great if they were able to get Chapman for that glove, but then don't you kind of end up where you started with at the beginning. And at that point, well, why didn't you hold on to Suarez? And then you still have Jared Kelnick, but I don't know that that's the right thing because then you also have a ton of strikeouts. So uh, if they are able to upgrade at third base, that is probably the most upgradable position left at this late date. And there is a star defensive player at that position available.
1: We've talked to you about most of the additions that Seattle's made so far. This off season, but is there an addition that you don't think quite enough people are focused on that could be pretty impactful?
2: I, I think there's. Well, I hope they. I hope they understand how impactful Polanco can be. And just what he does for this lineup, it immediately lengthens it and that you've got another you know, veteran established player in the lineup, which pushes the bench to. And I've got a piece up on Seattle sports right now that takes a look at if you're not understanding what the Mariners have done offensively this year. And if you're not bowled over by the names, go ahead and take a look at what the bench and platoon type players look like at the end of the year last year versus what they are right now. And you don't have minor leaguers filling out spots. You don't have minor leaguers filling out uh, the DH position because they got Mitch Garber. So that's taken care of. And your 26th man is probably Dylan Moore right now. And, you know, at that point last year, you're looking at minor leaguers again uh, on the bench. So I do think that it has, you know, the length of the lineup has grown quite a bit. And one of the things that Polanco gives you is stability at the top. You know, A, he's a good hitter. Uh, B, he's pretty good with the strike zone. And C, he can play every day, and they trust him to play every day. So where the lineups are going to be different depending on the pitcher and, you know, Scott Service likes matchups, you should have a steady one, two, three, which is a, a nice luxury to have. And what we haven't really seen in recent years, uh, assuming that they go Crawford, Julio, and then you could just as easily you know, put Polanco in there every day as well.
3: Shannon, how important is Ty France to what the Mariners want to do? You just mentioned, right, a bunch of names. we we'll see what Polanco does. You got a Julio. Um, but when this team was playing some good ball, Ty France has been like a catalyst to this thing. Um, How important is it that he gets going this year?
2: It would be great. I mean, if he can get back to the tie, all he really does, all he does is hit France that we saw the first year uh, and what he did early on in San Diego, uh, that would be a huge addition. I think right now with the struggles that he had last year, you're looking at him lower in the order and that's where the best fit is and probably pretty low in the order. But, you know, just as JP Crawford did last year, if he gets off to a good start and gets going, the further up the lineup that you can bat him, the better. And, again, you're talking about depth of lineup and how good it is at that point. And, you know, he did what J.P. did. He's, he's gotten the work in at driveline. All reports on that have been very good. So you know what he is when he's going good. And he, you know, spent a lot of time hitting second. You know, that spot isn't needed right now. But if you can get him more fifth rather than seventh or eighth or more sixth, rather than seven or eight, that would be fantastic. And also, you know, something that you have to talk about, every addition that they made comes with a question mark. For some, it's health. For others, uh, they're somewhat unproven. Luke Raley has not had much time in the big leagues. Go back to the trade deadline, Dom Canzone has not had a lot of time in the big leagues. So you don't know exactly what they are. Well, Ty France, you know what he is when he is going good, and he also has been extremely durable which I think will be very important in this lineup.
1: Is there a departure that they had? And obviously many of these are their own doing, right? I mean, their trades, um, you know, guys that they've moved on from, uh, that you kind of think, gosh, I hope this doesn't come back to bite them. Like you're kind of watching to see what that player becomes elsewhere.
2: Well, I think I'm watching them all, but rather than look at, I hope it doesn't bite them. I hope it doesn't matter. I hope, you know, if the Mariners make it to the postseason, This year, and if they do something in the postseason, they're not going to begrudge Jared Kelnick doing well in Atlanta or Haney Suarez doing well in Arizona. Uh, That's kind of how I look at it. Um, But as far as like what could be missed immediately, I do think, uh, you know, starting pitching, the depth is not there. I think Robbie Ray would have been a great boost in the second half. Uh, Marco Gonzalez and the versatility that he has brought and he could have come in and, and been kind of that sixth starter and and you know kind of contribute in that way and you wouldn't have to perhaps push a Brian Wu as much as you did last year and probably will a little bit early he also kind of provided that bumper where if you did have a young guy going the next day he could eat innings and kind of suck it up when they couldn't use bullpen for him and wanted to save it for the younger player the next day. I think that's important. And the two, I mean, that's a lot of veteran and a lot of veteran leadership that you're taking away in both Gonzalez and Ray. And it's kind of a young pitching staff. I know Luis Castillo is there. He's not the most outspoken. He's not kind of a natural leader. He's somebody that people look to and will follow by example. But it's very different from you know, a Robbie Ray who will approach others and, you know, let them know if, you know, something does not look right or they're not doing the right thing and, you know, different situations. And he even did that when he was away from the team last year. When situations arose, uh, players would get calls from him and he was somebody that, that the manager could very much depend on and lean on in that situation. And Marco, of course, too, they don't really have that in the pitching staff. Uh, I, I think they'll be okay, but I think that will be missed.
3: Shannon, we all know that uh, our guy Hanegar has struggled to to stay healthy. And, you know, you go into situations and you hope for the best. But if you're going off of a history, you should assume that something might happen this year where he takes a few games off. Um, what would be a successful year when it comes to just um, this games that Hanegar plays in this year for the Mariners?
2: Well, obviously, the more the better. I mean, I would be happy, I'd be ecstatic if there were 120. I think that would probably be a lot, but I'd be happy if you proved us all wrong on that. You know, you have to remember a lot of the injuries were getting hit by a baseball, and and but he does have a fair share of core injuries in history there, too. So kind of a mix of both, but they know what they're getting in him. They know that's a possibility. They don't acquire him thinking they're going to get 162 games. And they don't acquire him without having other help out there. So uh, I think that they will be careful with him, and I I think that they will utilize him, you know, to the best of his abilities. Which, uh, if you can keep him on the field, you know, can be something. This is a guy that was absolutely instrumental in getting him to the postseason. This is a guy that can OPS over 800. This is a guy that can hit 30 home runs. So. Um, yeah, everything that you can do to keep him in a good place health wise will be huge. But uh, if you can, I mean, I would, I think 100 would be good for the team. But uh, if you could get it up, you know, past 120, I think the team would be very in very good shape. It's kind of like if Julio Rodriguez wins the MVP award this year, it's hard to see the Mariners not in the postseason. If Mitch Hanniger plays over 120 games, they're probably in a very good place, too.
1: The answer to this question will change as the season starts to take shape, Shannon. But just looking at the start of spring t- training now, as guys start to show up, uh, what's the biggest task and biggest challenge for a service?
2: I, I think uh, he's, uh, he's tackled it already. I was asked this on the morning show about a week and a half ago, how does he handle this team coming off – Uh, what happened at the end of the year last year and you know cal's comments and that probably was a feeling around the clubhouse and my answer was and it's since been confirmed i'm sure that's been tackled already and it has there are visits and calls and everything else in the off season they don't just send everybody home and we'll talk to you in the spring i think that's all behind them and so a different tone has been set and i think that there are challenges for service but i think that when you do, just as I said, and a little bit questioning kind of the leadership player-wise on the pitching side, on the position player side, you've got a ton of it right now. You know, Mitch Haniger was the guy that they all called their champion when he was in the clubhouse. He was the guy that they all looked to. He was the guy that, you know, was going to end the you-know-what drought, and they did. So, And then to hear the guys that showed up early, and I'm not talking a day or two. I'm talking a couple of weeks early on the offensive side and already down in Peoria and already working together. I think that's actually going to help Scott Service a lot. I think he's very much going to like the leadership group that he has, and he leans on that. So maybe, I mean, you want to be the absolute optimist, too many players for too few positions. We'll see how long that lasts. But uh, when you get going, you want to make sure that everybody has a chance to get going. And when you have a deep lineup and when you have a lot of guys that have track record and have played a bunch, sometimes it's tough to get them going and, and play everybody uh, a good amount of time. So that's what the optimist would say. And if that's not the case, if it goes the other way, then there's going to be a lot of juggling to do.
3: Shannon, there's only a few players in, in any league, in any sport that are almost a guarantee thing. You know they're going to produce, right? Right. Um, The Mariners haven't really gone after those dudes, but what do you think they've learned from some of the failures, like the the Winkers, the Wongs, the A.J. Pollock? What do you think they've learned, and and do we see any of the lessons they've learned reflected in this offseason?
2: Well, I'd like to hear a lot more about that myself. (laughs) (laughs) And that was kind of a, a question that I had at the end of the year, and how do you break this thing down? You know, and uh, we didn't get a lot of answers about it at the end of the year, and I took another swing at it when we had Andy McKay on the Hot Stove Show a couple of weeks ago, and that article is up on Seattle Sports, too. And it was good to hear what he said. I mean, they took no comfort in that they just came up short. You know, he just – he literally – we were talking to him on a Zoom interview, and it was, you know, nice interview and talking about coaching, which he has a passion for, and young players, and, you know, a lot of other things. And then I said, hey, you know, let's circle back to the fall. And when I asked him that, he literally dropped his head in his hands. Like he did not want to relive, you know, breaking it down again and finding out where they came up short. And uh, I know I've heard the cut played a couple of times uh, on the radio, but he said, you know, our process the last three years has been just missing. So I I hope that, you know, the players that you were talking about in particular, you know, they don't go out on an instinct or a whim and acquire these players. They are broken down analytically and uh, they also, you know, do the due diligence that they can And I think every player is different, and different things can upend them. Maybe they're not who you thought they were. Maybe they're not suited for the ballpark when they get there. Maybe there are things on the outside that are influencing their life at the point where they get to the team. Maybe they're not as healthy as you thought they were when they get there. Uh, I don't know exactly what the process is, but I've heard enough to, you know, since, and I didn't feel good about it at the end of the year. I was unsure how much of that went on because they do believe in their processes. But since, you know, I've really kind of heard that it does, they've taken a good look at it. And I think that's the most important thing. I thought at the end of last season, everything should be on the table. And it doesn't mean you have to make a change with everything, but everything needed to be looked at. And we did see them step away from, they were very comfortable with uh, the guy who strikes out a lot, as long as he hits home run. And that didn't work for them. And they've acknowledged that and turning around going, we need more contact. So, I think they're on the right track with that. Uh, We'll see. And that was kind of one of the uncomfortable things because in the recent past, the free agent signings and some of the trade acquisitions have not worked out. And this is a big overhaul they've had. This is the second most trades he's made in an off season since Jerry DePoto has been in Seattle. So, you know, you cross your fingers and and you hope this is the time that they really hit on them. And there aren't, you know, those other things that perhaps kind of jumped in and kind of clouded the picture of some of the players that they thought so
1: highly of. She is Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer. As Shannon mentioned, you can read her latest work up on seattlesports.com or the Seattle sports app. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thanks Shannon. You got it guys. See ya. Let's get to four down territory.
0: This is four-down territory going inside the game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. I hope you guys are
1: ready for a heck of a game show coming up in 15 minutes. I could use suggestions for a tiebreaker category, though, if you have those, 866-979-3776. First down, what do you think is the best move for the Niners this offseason in regards to wide receiver Brandon Ayuk?
3: Ain't it crazy how... Dudes ball out when it's time to get money. Right. You're close to getting that check. You're like, look, man, I need to do my thing. Um, Brandon Ayuk is due $14 million in 2024. He was an all-pro, 1,300 yards. He's had 300 more yards in Kittle, 400 more yards in Debo Samuel. Next year, Kittle is gonna be up, what, his cap hit will be about $21 million. You got Debo Samuel, he's gonna be gonna be around 28.6. It's almost impossible to keep these three together. So you could extend Brandon Ayuk right now, but then you're gonna have to lose one or two of those guys next year, Kittle or Debo Samuel. I say don't even touch Brandon Ayuk right now. He's gonna be upset. He got wifey texting or tweeting us some stuff. His best Moms friend. did it, best friends, like hey, the Ayuk family, simmer down. <laughs> all right, don't mess up this dude's bag. But if I'm the 49ers, you got to realize a couple of things. This run is coming to an end pretty soon. One or two more years. Brock Purdy still has to be paid. He's only getting paid $900,000 this year. Only nine hundred dollars to simple people like us. But in the NFL, for a quarterback who just went to the Super Bowl, that ain't nothing. He's going to require around $40 million a year if he puts together another season like he has the past couple of years. Seahawks fans, be excited. The window is closing slowly on the 49ers. But if you're the 49ers, don't do nothing with Brandon Ayuk. You sit there, you be patient, and you ride this thing on next year, and then you have some decisions to make. The thing I appreciate about the 49ers um, management is that they always find a way to make something happen. Right, Talent over there for a reason. But don't say nothing. Don't do nothing by right, you. Just show up and go to work and get your money next Protect year.
1: Protect those pockets. Second down. You see a real opportunity for a new offensive coordinator. Who is it and what is it?
3: Yeah, you know, um, I own a business, Elite Training Academy. How about your boy? And uh, my wife and I, we always sit down about once a month and we try to – new ideas. How are we going to keep our business moving forward? And uh, I I looked at this guy, and I go, man, he's got a real opportunity right now. Now, this guy's been connected to Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes, Johnny Menzel, Kyler Murray, Caleb Williams over there at USC. I'm talking about former Arizona quarterback Cliff Kingsburg. Now, the reason why I say there's an opportunity for him, because it's all about perception. He's perceived to be a horrible head coach in the NFL. Okay, don't worry about being a head coach. You just be offensive coordinator. But he could be the next Quarterback guru, how John Gruden used to travel the country and talk to these young guys, get him up on the board, talk football. He's young enough to connect with these dudes like that. So I'm looking at Cliff and I go, Look, what are you going to do with this number two pick with the commanders? He's the OC over there now. What are you going to do with that number two pick? And if you do grab a quarterback, which I'm pretty sure they are, and you develop him and he looks good, you're just adding to that quarterback guru resume. It was John Gruden. He had Frank Reich here for a little bit, who was thought to be that. Now, Everyone's always looking for the savior, the guy you can pay a bunch of money to fix your quarterback. Cliff could be that guy. He won't be a head coach, probably shouldn't be a head coach, but he can be a coordinator. And he has worked with some of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the league the past few years, other than Johnny Menzel. That fills it all pretty quickly. So if I'm Cliff, I'm saying, look, man, offseason status, get on ESPN, get on that bus, travel the country, and uh, start your John Gruden stuff.
1: Third down. What do you know and like about the Seahawks' new wide receiver coach, Frisman Jackson?
3: Well, he's coached in college and in the NFL. In 2017, he was a wide receiver coach for the Tennessee Titans. Man receivers over there were uh, Decker and Matthews. 2018 and 2019, he goes to Baylor. Had, uh, are the best receiver there over there was Denzel Mims, and they were 19th when it comes to passing in the country over there with Baylor. 2020 to 21, he's with the Panthers. You got Adam Thielen and DJ Moore, and then, then 2022 to 23, he was with the Steelers. I love that he, as one, coached in the NFL and coached um, in uh, in the college game. And if you know anything about Baylor, man, there was a time where they were considered one of the best passing games in the country with Art over there. But then uh, we all found out some things about Art. But – um, I mentioned all this to say that my guy has been around the block a few times. He's well-versed. But the thing that stuck out to me was that he's an undrafted free agent. You know how I feel <laughs> about my undrafted free agents, all right? He's got like 40-something catches, 400 yards, and a touchdown. But he's made a career out of this. The reason why I appreciate guys like him is because nothing was really given to him. Obviously, you get a, an opportunity to play in the league. You earn that. But... Um, it's not like he was a number one pick and got opportunity after opportunity. It didn't work out in the league after a little bit. He goes to the NFL, does this thing. I just love the grime. The knock that you could have on him is that he was a part of the Steelers and people always look at the Steelers receivers and say, Oh, but they had attitudes and all yeah. that good stuff. And I get that it's been there and it's real, but he ain't picking these receivers. He's not in the draft room saying Mike Tomlin, I need you to draft this guy. That's Tomlin. That's management. Everyone else. Now, Him being the receiver coach is going to be connected to these guys, so maybe he answers some questions about them. But I'm not too worried about it, man. Uh, I'm excited for him. I want to see what he does with the Hawks.
1: Fourth down. You've been studying Ryan Grubb's offense, so what are some of the things you like about it?
3: man grub he likes to uh condense you with your formations and then expand you as soon as the ball is snapped with his his routes and the way he uses his running back but i'm going to focus on the run game to start because people always look at grub and the uw offense and they highlight the the pass game which you should but he's great at setting up his runs too loves that counter look a guard tackle counter, that little pin and pull. You run a trap. He does a lot of movement with his offensive lineman. Does run some zone, but it's best when those linemen are moving and also uses the jet sweep. So look at his run game. They can run the football. They will run the football. They didn't have to do it at a high clip because you had a whole bunch of receivers over there. And what he does in his pass game as well, he will show you run and occupy the eyes of linebackers and safeties. All you want are false steps by these guys. He can create that. I love the way he uses his tight ends. There are going to be times out there where there's 13 personnel, one running back, three tight ends and you got three tight ends here. You still got to sign those guys. Another thing that I love and I hate about him at the same time is that he will be aggressive. Oregon fourth and goal down 33 to 29, six minutes left. They go for it, but they are stuffed. but he went for it. Then against UW fourth and one, we all know the end of that thing. He goes for it. They get the first down. He plays aggressive or calls an aggressive game and he uses his, um, his running backs, tight ends. It's more to this offense than you think.
1: I do do you have a category that I'm choosing. Right. That's been settled, uh, but we could still use your guys' questions for what I need to know. That's coming up at 45 after. You can text those to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866- 979-3776. Before we get to that, Curtis and Bump for one last time this season are facing off in a game show style trivia game about the 2023 NFL season. Don't go anywhere.
0: Bump and Stacy,
2: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports here are your hosts Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross
0: season 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 season
1: Seasons on. season, season. We are wrapping up, putting a bow on the 2023 NFL season by having bump and Curtis face off in a trivia style game. show. some of these questions are pretty easy, pretty generic. So I have 12, six a piece. I like easy, uh, six a piece for you guys. Then we have a tiebreaker. If we get to that, we always do. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Bump again. Some of them are pretty easy. Who was the league's passing leader this year?
3: Yeah, they are easy, right? Who was the league's passing leader?
1: <laughs> it was Tua. It was Tua. Okay. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Bump with a sigh of, okay, no, I knew that. I am so See, I'm, easy. I'm laughing,
0: but like, there's going to be one where I'm like, I know. I have no idea it
1: probably that. won't be this one, though. Curtis, who was the league's rushing leader?
0: Rushing leader. You guys getting like, it had to have been Christian (laughs) McCaffrey, season fatigue, man. That's what it is. Once (laughs) the season's over, it's like, all right, I I don't got to worry about that. That is
1: correct. It is (laughs) Christian McCaffrey. Bump. The Detroit Lions made the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Congratulations, Lions. We were all rooting for you. There was also an AFC team that made the playoffs and hadn't done so for several years since 2019. In fact, which team was that?
3: Made the AFC and haven't done it in a few years. Texans?
1: Texans. Curtis. What two, I'll give you some of these. You guys can have just an extra minute to think. What two divisions outside of our own did the NFC West face this year?
0: So, okay.
1: So, inter and intra.
0: The Seahawks played the NFC East.
1: That is one of them.
0: And they played the AFC North.
1: Correct. There we go. All right. Yeah. Bump, Will Levis had a breakout game in his first start, throwing how many touchdowns? You remember?
3: Four them things. Four
1: them things. That is correct.
3: And he was hyped. That dude was swole. You see the veins. Whenever you see veins in someone's biceps,
1: remember we like in the gym. The day, like that Monday after was it was a Monday. The day after we had to be like, "We're sorry to Will Evans." Oh uh, yeah. I I, mm-hmm. I had to do the Shaquille O'Neal. I wasn't familiar with your game, and I apologize. <laughs> uh, Curtis Puka set a record for most receptions through the first seven games of his career. That previous record of uh, 49 was held by which player? It's multiple choice. Do you want the choices? Yes. AJ Green, AJ Brown, or Saquon Barkley?
0: I'm going to say AJ Green.
1: That is incorrect. What? Bump, do you want to wager a guess? Before I would have I guessed it?
3: AJ Green. It was AJ Brown, and who else? Saquon,
1: Saquon? Barkley. Was it Saquon? It's Saquon, is Saquon Barkley. Barkley. That's not easy. Yeah. That's a that's uh, a setup. Is <laughs> that <not> a setup? <laughs> it's it's just a weird stat. Yeah, he uh, he weird. broke Saquon's Barkley record for uh, most receptions. Yes, receptions through the first seven games of a player's career. Wow. Uh, bump. In uh, Let's see. Wait, Curtis. Oh, I didn't give you a point for the AFC NFC one. Okay, so it's. Oh, he can't be right? up one. No, oh, no I'm kidding. down one. Down, down, that was the first question missed. Well, so I was far. trying to. I over was there. just making sure I got it. So it should be 3-2 right no, now. No,
0: two, two. Y- no, 2-2. No. You're up 3-2. Yeah, 3-2. With two. a chance to go up 4-2. Okay. Okay. All right.
1: Bump. Yours is also multiple choice. In week 11, Jalen Hurts reached the record for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback over his first four seasons. That was with 35. That previous record of 33 was held by whom? Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, or Steve McNair?
3: See, if you would have threw Steve Young in that thing, that would have really messed me up. Yeah, I, I should have thrown both Young. Steve's. Um, it's got to be Cam, right?
1: Is that your Final answer. Final answer. It's Cam. Yeah. It is Cam Newton. Uh, Cam, this is crazy. Cam has 75 career rushing touchdowns, which is like 20 more than the next Coast closest player. Uh, which is right now Josh Allen, I think.
0: That'd be great for a running 75. Back yeah. yeah,
1: that's what it is. 75 rushing touchdowns over the course of his career. Curtis, you got to get this one right, buddy. Uh mm. It's also multiple choice. Aaron Rodgers, you guys remember him. His career is a jet. Week one got off to a rough start. He tore his Achilles. How many snaps into the game? Two, four, six, or eight?
0: Four. Final
3: answer.
1: Four, correct. Bump! Russell Wilson was controversially benched in favor of whom?
3: Oh that's a good one. Oh my god. Mmm. Mm. Some. Some below average quarterback that some Seahawks fans would prefer over (laughs) Geno. Goodness gracious. I don't know.
1: What's your final answer. Yeah. You're going to be so mad. I know. Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham. Oh, yeah. I know. I knew you were going to be mad. You, Curtis, you can tie it up uh, with yeah, this I can, one. I can get it back. Yeah. Uh, Jawan Jennings became the second player to have a passing oh. and receiving touchdown in the Super Bowl. Joining whom? Oh, oh wow. down, baby. baby. I, wow. I, I, I don't choose Bulls. the questions. Wow. Let's go. The questions chose you. Huh? Okay, so uh you guys need to get these two right, and then we'll go to our tiebreaker. Um here we go. Bump. You each can have like a minute plus. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. you might have to kind of run through. Mm-hmm. Who won each division in the AFC?
3: Ooh. Can I look at, can I look at it?
0: No, because you can't look at the standings. Uh, I will allow you.
3: No, not the just standings. Just the teams. Teams. I will allow, the teams. I will okay.
1: pull up uh, the AFC.
3: Look. I'm look, look, look at my screen. This is what I'm looking at. That's okay, fine, Okay, that's right? fine. Yeah, that's okay. fine. That's
1: fine. He's just a- looking at a list of teams on ESPN.
3: AFC East. Damn, that's a tough one, man, because the Bills – finished strong, but the Dolphins was doing a thing. The Pages and the Jets are basura. I'm gonna go with... Come on, because they weren't a... Yeah, because the Dolphins were away that first game, so they couldn't have won it. I'm going with the Bills. Okay, AFC North, we all know the Ravens won that thing. AFC South, this is a tough one. The Texans won that thing. And the AFC West, this another tough one. No, 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 because the Chiefs couldn't have won it because they're in a the row, but they could have though. The Chiefs.
1: That is correct. Way okay. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> <laughs> to show your work, Bob. Man. I know, I know, it was like a math problem, Curtis. Who won each division in the NFC?
0: NFC, 49ers in the West. NFC South, the Bucks. They won it for, I think, the third straight year. NFC North, the Detroit Lions. And then the NFC East would be the Dallas Cowboys.
1: You guys both got it. We are going to our tiebreaker. All right, so here's how it works. I will give you a category topic. Beginning with Bump, you will go back and forth giving answers until the first person hesitates a little too long. Mm -hmm. The person who, uh, the the other person then gets a shot at the tiebreaker. Now, here's the fun thing about the tiebreaker. Nothing else matters. If you get it right, you win it all. And if you lose it, the other person automatically wins. He doesn't even have to answer it correctly. Okay? So, um, this is my listener suggestion. I didn't come up with this. I asked listeners, hey, it's the end of the season one. What category do you want? By request, by multiple people, the category bump will begin with you. Sharp <laughs> <It's> teeth. Animals
0: <laughs>
3: with
1: sharp teeth. No! <laughs> bump, get us started. Shark
0: A tiger. Dog. A lion. A bunny. I'm going to say a... I said it last time, and okay. it counts. Okay, okay, Wow, a gorilla. Gorilla? Yeah. They got
3: grinders over there. Uh, let's go with a... I don't... Man, oh, forget God. this game. Curtis. I quit. I quit. I quit.
1: Devin Witherspoon was NFC Defensive Player of the Week for a standout performance against the Giants in Week 4. We all loved it. In the AFC, though, a game we probably weren't watching, Khalil (laughs) Mack won the award for a game that saw him do what?
0: Khalil Mack.
1: Khalil Mack. For the Chargers. For the Chargers won AFC Defensive Player Uh, of the Week for a game that saw him, I'll say, accomplish what feat?
0: I'm going to guess that he had like a million sacks in the game, (laughs) like probably six sacks.
1: Is that your final answer?
0: Yes, final answer.
1: Your final answer is six sacks in a game?
0: Yes. That's
1: right. It's right. What? <laughs>
0: that
3: is crazy.
1: <laughs> that, that is freaking Season, nuts. season, season. That's crazy. It is a franchise record, actually, for the Chargers, and that came in a win over the Raiders. Justin Herbert through three touchdowns. Wow. All right, you guys, that was season, season, season. Congratulations, Curtis, on winning this he one. Cheated. But you guys, you guys no. had Curtis quite cheated. the fight heading into this one. You know, Bump, if only you would have <laughs> – I feel like you knew the answer, too. If only you would have kept guessing animals with sharp teeth. You know? Yeah, There's so many animals from which to choose. You know. Piranhas. Tigers, cats, all dogs. St- all those were said. Mice. Do mice have sharp teeth?
0: Sharp enough. Hamsters have sharp
1: teeth. Hamsters. Yeah. Hedgehogs. Porcupines. Hedgehogs. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm Sonic now this is why I don't play the game. What I need to know is coming your way next. Get your questions <laughs> into the Mac and Jacks text line, 866-979-3776.
2: Bumpin' Stacy, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. It's
1: What I Need to Know, brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling Electric. Get your questions in to the Mac and Jacks text line. That number is 866 979 3776. I am loving these early questions. So here we go. What I Need to Know. If you could pick a hypothetical Seahawks-Hard Knocks... Now, Seahawks don't qualify for Hard Knocks this year, nor did they last year, but it's all hypothetical, right? Would you rather see last year's season behind the scenes of what might have gone wrong or this year's on new faces and what might go right?
3: Oh, that's really good. That's a good one. Um, I'm probably leaning towards this season. This season. Yeah. I want to see how they rebuild, revamp, restructure, whatever you want to call what they're doing with that coaching staff and the different personalities. Cause I feel like I have a good gauge on the personalities of the old staff. I want to know about this one.
1: I I can be messy and like a part of me wants to know all the mess, you know, and like everything that went on mm-hmm. and all the secrets behind the scenes. Not that Hard Knock shows everything, but like I would love more insight into that, but it's past. it's gone. And I'd rather have like a feel-good moment of hope and like, well, what could happen here? Mm -hmm. So I agree. I'd probably choose that one curves. What about you? Well, as
0: Marie Kondo once said, I love mess. I love mess. And (laughs) I wanna see the the final weeks of the 2023 season play out, hard knock (laughs) style. I wanna see what the locker room thought of the cigars. I wanna see what Pete Carroll thought of his team's effort at the end of the season. Yeah. I wanna see all of
1: that. Uh what I need to know. Uh, is it okay to start a new TV series without consulting your significant other? No, it's not. I started watching <laughs> 1883, and my wife was like, it sure would be nice if you would have told me you were starting a series. Dang, I son. said I didn't know I needed to get approval on what shows I watch by myself.
0: What you mean? You, you messed up. Like,
3: that's on you, buddy. My my wife tried to watch uh, Griselda the other day by that's herself. Good. I go, what are you doing? What is that? Is that Sophia. <laughs> How deep are you? How many episodes? Turn that off right now. How dare now. you? Tripping.
1: Uh, yeah, you can't, you can't TV cheat.
2: Nah. Uh, but if you
1: were going to TV cheat, what you do is you create another <laughs> account on the same account. Wow. So another name That's on the deep. same account. And then you go into that one, you watch what you want to watch, and then you go back to the main one you use so that it doesn't show up in your watch That's history. That's
3: deep betrayal right there.
1: I'm just, I don't do it. I don't recommend it. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> the text line says, you're not allowed. What I need to know. I need your help. My wife unabashedly watches other people's food as it's delivered to their table.
2: She says
0: <laughs> she says she
1: wants to better uh, get to know the menu better. I feel like it's really creepy. What are your thoughts?
0: It's creepy. Did she like stop the waiter and be like, what, what do you got there? Unabashedly what's, what's to me
1: is that she's like sitting up in her chair, peering over a shoulder, like really looking at it. What's, what's that it? table yeah. guy? Oh. Like like you would notice this person looking at you. Now food. when
0: fajitas walk by your table, you're obviously gonna turn and look because they're sizzling, <laughs> yeah, you're well, crackling. Of they're loud. Fajitas
1: want attention. Exactly,
0: <laughs> they are the main character of the menu. She's something. Oh, that looks nice. <laughs> no,
3: seriously,
1: I, this is the vibe What's that, that? that I get. I get the vibe that she's baked. Do you see that? Did you see what they got? Did, she, did you get steak or shrimp? Shrimp. They got shrimp. I would have gotten steak. <laughs> like that's the vibe.
0: Are you guys? the kind of people, because I'm this person, is if I'm going to a restaurant that I don't know, I'm looking up the menu beforehand. Yes. Nah. A lot of people love to be surprised by what's on the menu. No,
1: I I I gotta
3: know. I'm not gonna be surprised. There's about 10 items that talk to me on every (laughs) menu and they're they're on the same... They're on every menu.
1: Sometimes you go to places and you look at the menu and it's like uh, uh, a beet beetroot salad, uh, a rutabaga salad, (laughs) <laughs> Paella. And you're like, hang yeah. on a but, minute. Like, 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 I don't.
3: This is just appealing. Let me man. get a basket of fries, dog. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: If, if I go to a place and it's like, yeah, I would I would eat half that menu minimum. No problem. But sometimes you go and it's complicated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I have some friends who are vegetarian. Maybe they're vegan. Maybe they have diet restrictions. When they choose the restaurant we go to, I know it's going to be vegetarian and expensive.
3: Only time I eat outside of my box is on vacation.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. What I need to know. I hate to
0: break it to you, but. Tiger had to withdraw from the
1: chair.
3: I saw that due saw to it.
1: illness. I know. Oh, Man. illness. I thought it was uh um, like boy a got back. lit
0: last
3: night. Yeah. <laughs> Tiger
1: said, I don't even have to be here. He
3: uh, said, it's his event too, so he's like, yeah, I'm good, guys.
1: What I need to know. Uh let's see. If you could trade superpowers with one of your colleagues, who would you trade with? To clarify, Curtis's brain, bumps golf game, Stacy's swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say, if you guys have seen Titanic, I don't know how many people have seen Titanic. My my superpower is useful to have.
3: A um one, it, I don't need swimming because if I can't see the bottom of the the swimming area, I'm not getting in that water. But what if you
1: fall in that water? What I if can, the ship sinks in swim. that water? I can Swimming's so swimmer. great,
0: you don't even need to worry I'm about it. I'm a good swimmer.
3: Bottom. But yeah. uh, you know what? I I find myself having lots of meaningless sports conversations with people. So I think Curtis's trivia knowledge Curtis, would probably uh, fit me best. Curtis,
1: what about you? Who would you choose? I
0: honestly think I would take Stacy Swimming.
1: Thank you. Because in a survival
0: scenario, what's going to be... Better golf, golf,
2: or, or the ability <laughs> to swim. Yeah.
0: Hey, is Stacy even really a good swimmer? Yes,
1: yes, how dare you! How dare you! How dare you? Why are <laughs> just assuming that because, she's a good Because swimmer. I told you that I was
0: 10th <laughs> place, baby.
1: Uh, what I need to know what seed will Wazoo Men's hoops be in the tourney, 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 the,
3: the last one. What is it?
0: All that matter? Well, yeah, I would say right now they're looking at about a nine or a ten seed. Now they could play their way yeah. up for sure, but we, right we, now we're sneaking in that thing. Right now, just getting there is good enough for the Cougs. Mm-hmm. Don't what? don't take any bad loss.
1: What I need to know? What's the first concert you went to?
3: Oh, Up in Smoke. Way too young to be there. <coughs> Mom dropped me and the homies <laughs> off and said, "All right." I'll be around the corner See you in three hours And uh, there's a lot of smoke in that In that (laughs) arena
1: Uh, Oops I lost my place here Uh, What I need to know What's worse Um, Now you can say this for yourself Or you can put yourself in the position of like A date that you're with has done this Eating too much garlic Or too many onions
3: Uh, Garlic breath or onion breath Is really Garlic for sure Garlic gets in your
0: pores too Then you start smelling like garlic
1: Onion is tough though You know
3: Garlic is just, it hangs around for like five days, it feels like.
1: Yeah. Someone said, if you can afford to golf, you have money to be on a lifeboat. Bump lives. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, I got my kids shook because I I will not go on a cruise. And every time they see those carnival commercials, they're like, heck no, dad. I go, nah, we ain't messing with that.
1: We ain't <laughs> but mess if with you that. had my swimming look at how much fun they're having. Yeah.
3: Right, we, hey, we can do all of that at Disneyland
1: Alright you guys, that will do it for us today For Michael Bumpus, Curtis Rogers, Matt Nelson I'm Stacey Ross, Don't Go Anywhere Wyman and Bob coming up next